Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. And I want you to understand my prayer this morning. That you will get it. That your eyes will be open to the truth. That you'll be able to answer Jesus' question to those people. That everyone that walks out of our campus this morning, they will be able to say this. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm following right now. I'm not perfect, but I desire to be what God wants him to be. And I know when I die where I'm going. And it's not because I'm a good person. It's because Jesus Christ died for me. John 3.16 is probably the most memorized verse in the whole of the Bible, and not without good reason. It talks about God's love for the world, which doesn't mean the physical earth, but human beings living on it. That's huge. God is not indifferent towards us. God is passionate for us. He is so passionate for us that He sent His only Son to be our Savior. The reason God made that sacrifice is because people are perishing in the battle for our souls. That's not what God wants for us. He wants us to have eternal life. This invitation is for everyone, whoever believes. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 26, for part one of our message entitled, Your Soul is Priceless. your greatest ambition in life? If you could do or have anything you wanted, what would you choose? And when you look at your body this morning, what is your most valuable possession? When you, when you talk about your body, what part do you think is the most valuable? Well, I'm going to give you a little hint this morning. Could it be your nose? Now, most of you say, definitely not my nose. But smell is incredible. You know, when you smell things, it brings all kinds of memories back. All kinds of memories. I've been going to India for about 15, 16 years. And, you know, the little fires that they have all the way through that nation with 100 million people and all that kind of stuff. When I smell a a wood fire, man, I'm getting off the plane in Bombay. It's crazy. But let me tell you what happened recently. Here's smell. Listen to this true statement. A smell test may predict lifespan. U.S. researchers say a simple smell test could help predict how likely someone is to be alive in five years. Measuring people's sense of smell in later life could help doctors predict how likely they are to be alive in five years. Just turn to your neighbor and go, are you going to be here in five years? Come on, just do it, John. Come on, use your nose. Use your nose and turn to your neighbor. You're going to be here in five years? 
Well, of course, our nose isn't the most valuable thing. Really, physically, our heart or our mind is the most valuable. But we're doing this series on two worlds. We live in two worlds. The physical, which is actually visible, and the spiritual, which is invisible. This morning, we're going to talk about what's most valuable in the invisible world. Now, if you begin to think about this, what is the most valuable thing you possess this morning? Maybe your house, your 401k, your business, your health, your family relationship. But Jesus, he was a master at asking questions. And he would get a group of people or even one person. And he would confront them with this amazing question that elicited a response. I'm going to give you one at all of our campuses this morning and you guys that are watching online. We're going to read what Jesus asked. And it's a question that's going to elicit a response from every single one of you at all the campuses. So let's begin and take a look what Jesus does. Now, in this context, we'll get to the context later. Jesus is meeting with his disciples and a lot of people that are around him. And he makes this opening statement. Matthew 16. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Remember, Jesus is looking at them right in their eye. Is anything worth more than your soul? Now, soul is an interesting word. Uh, In the Greek, basically what it means is very simple. It simply means this, our whole life. The real you, the real me. Our body, when we die, of course, goes into the ground. Our spirit and soul, that's what goes to heaven. It will live forever. So Jesus, looking at these people, he says to them, what advantage is there if you become the richest person in the world? But after you die, you're not around to spend it. Or what if you become famous? You're in the top well-known people in the world. But after you die, in a few years, nobody even remembers your name. So what is Jesus saying to us? What benefit, what advantage, it elicits a response, if in the process of anything like this, you lose your own so, first thing I want you to write out all over campuses this morning, take a note. This is from Jesus. It's not from a church. It's not from a religious. It's not Catholic. It's Baptist, whatever. It's not Calvary Chapel. This is an illicit response. Here's what Jesus is saying. Our most valuable possession, of course, is not our nose. It's not our body. It's invisible. It, our most valuable possession is our soul. It's priceless. Priceless simply means you can't put a value to it. There's no way to put a value to it. It's absolutely priceless. Jesus understood this statement. He understood how valuable a soul was that's going to live somewhere forever. Satan definitely understands the value of a soul. Do we? Do we? Now, in this series, in this principle of visible and invisible, we've learned a lot of things. We've been talking about spiritual warfare. 
to an unbeliever, maybe you're new to the church, you never heard of spiritual warfare. But really, it's simply about this amazing thing that happens in our life. When you begin to think about this, we, we've learned some statements over the last five or six weeks. And here's one that you know, you could write it down today, but let me give you a different emphasis as we, we put this up many times. Spiritual warfare is, is real, but notice the last statement that's highlighted, with eternal consequences. You see, this war that we're in is not about land. It's not about whether Russia is going to take more of the Ukraine. It's not about the Middle East, what's going to happen with ISIS, all those things. There. It's not about government. It's not about land. This is spiritual. It's about people and where these people will spend eternity. This spiritual warfare is about people and where they will spend eternity. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, the war I'm in is about people and where they'll spend eternity. Go ahead and tell your neighbor right now. Just say it to them right now. All the campuses, just turn to them, wherever they're at, somebody near you. Tell them that. This is the war that we're in. Now, I want you to look at me. Not only is this a real war, this spiritual war is about your soul. It's about the soul of your neighbor, your relative. A friend at school, a co-worker. This war is about every single individual. Almost seven and a half billion people. Where will they spend eternity? See, there's a bottom line to all of this. And Jesus elicits a response from these people. He says, how are you going to answer that question? That's what we're going to do today. Now, basically what Jesus is saying is, where are you going to spend eternity? And how do you know where you're going to spend eternity? Now, the Bible tells us some things that we know. If you're a Christian or been a Christ follower for a while, you understand this. If not, you may not. The Bible tells us that after death, everyone is going to live in one of two places forever. There are only two spiritual kingdoms. There's lots of kingdoms, but there's only two spiritual kingdoms. The kingdom of Satan, where Satan rules, and the kingdom of God, where God rules. Everybody at the end, they are going to absolutely live forever. Eternity doesn't make any sense to us forever. We don't understand that. But they're going to live there forever. So I want you, you don't need to write this down, but let me just remind you of the kind of the ground rules of what we're talking about this morning. Take a look. Every person is born a sinner, in the ki- and they reside in the kingdom of Satan, which means I'm separated from God and headed for eternity and hell forever. See, when you were born, when I was born because of Adam, uh, I have a sin nature. Sin is, makes me spiritually dead. Death spiritually simply means separation from a holy God. So when I'm born, doesn't matter who, what country, where, everybody's born in the kingdom of Satan. I'm separated from God. Now, if I don't do something about that, then that's where my eternity will come. I will live separated from God forever. But I, I'm not just a, a sinner because I have a sin nature. I'm a sinner because I also sin. I choose to sin. 
And because of that, as you begin to see all of this happening, that's why I've asked you to turn to John chapter 3. You know the verse well. Let's go to John chapter 3 here in Vieira and Melbourne and Sebastian, verse 16. That's why when God looked down, he loved mankind. And he said, I've got to come up with a solution for sinful man. Their soul is priceless, God said. Now, watch this. For God so loved... What? Uh, how many is the world? I already told you how many. About seven and a half billion people. Everyone with a soul. He so loved the world that he gave. God's a giving God. His one and only son. That whoever believes in him, we'll talk about that in a moment, should not perish, should not be separated from God. And it simply means this. For how long? And not perish, but have what kind of life? Look at your Bible. What kind of life? What is eternal life? Forever. It's forever. Would somebody like to stand and explain that to me? No, we, we, don't, we don't get forever, do we? Forever? I can't get Harley tomorrow. How many of you got the next four weeks, you're like crazy with parties and everything. Come on, let's calendar. Can't even read my calendar. Forever? So that was the promise. So here's how it goes. When you see that promise, one day Jesus went, met with a very religious leader. Nicodemus. He wasn't a believer as far as Christianity. And here's what Jesus said to him. You know the verse. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. You have to be saved. Now, how does that work? Here it is. Anyone can be born again and have eternal life. And there's just two changes that they need to make. When Jesus started his ministry, when he came, he started with these words. The kingdom of God is upon you. Repent and believe. When John the Baptist came, his initial message was what? Repent. So repent means a change of thinking that results in a change of living. See, many people repent, but they never change. Well, that's not real repentance. One day, Jesus... In the book of Matthew chapter 7, says this to a group of people who have come to him on judgment day. In, in your name, Jesus, we did this and this and this and this and this. And Jesus responds with words you and I would never want to hear. He says, I never knew you. I didn't have a person. Whoa, 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 whoa. We did this and I never knew you. You made a profession, but it never became a possession. You said the right words. You came to the altar at a Billy Graham place. You came to Calvary. You came to wherever. You said the right words. You repented, but there was never any change to show it was real. And then he says words that nobody ever wants to hear. Depart from me. It's over. See, once we die, it's too late to change. And so understand, repentance means there's going to be a change in you. Not perfect. But repentance means I'm going to actually have a change of lifestyle. And then Jesus said, believe. Believe is a relationship. It's not just the head. It's a relationship that talks about this. I know God personally. I have a relationship with him. Remember, Christianity is not religion. I've been doing this for many years. That's the greatest confusion in a church. Outside the church is something different we'll talk about. But in a church, that's the greatest decision, I mean, greatest confusion ever. 
people don't get this thing called personal relationship. Well, you'll see in a moment, follow me is <laughs> personal. It's not follow a church. So in this relationship, there's trust and there's dependence. I, I actually learned to trust God enough to follow him. Enough to follow him. So believe and follow. Repent, believe, and follow. Salvation, then, is a gift from God to me. Now, if, if you're driving to a strange place, most of us now use, use our smartphone. And we put directions in. We ask Google how to get to wherever. And if you've been there before, sometimes they give you this direction and you're going, yeah, this lady, whoever this lady is, she doesn't, she doesn't have a clue where she's going. So you just take your own way. What's the next thing you hear? What's wrong with you, dummy? Get back on the right road, whatever. As we go through all of that, understand that you're supposed to follow the directions. Well, that's what Jesus is going to talk about today. Once I believe, I trust him enough to follow. See, if you don't trust God, you'll never follow God. And trust in a relationship, trust is the basis of relationships. When I lay down at night, my wife's with me. 48 years, yes. If I don't trust her, I don't sleep well. But I never go to bed and go, hmm, wonder what she did with the money today. Would she have a separate bank account? Did she have an affair this week? No, trust is the basis of relationship. So when I learn to trust God, you'll see in a moment, that means I trust him enough to follow him. So as you look at these, Here's the question that should come to your mind. When I repent, when I believe and start a relationship with God, what do I get? I get peace of mind. I get forgiveness of sins. I get the guarantee of heaven. I get life right here. I get fullness and purpose and meaning in my life. I'm not empty. I'm not lonely. I got all kinds of friends. Life's still tough, but I have God living in me. He comes to live inside me. And it's a, the, the Christian life is the most awesome life in all the world. We, we have everything we need, and God provides everything that I can't provide. It's awesome. Could I hear an amen from three of you out there because of that? Okay, I even heard that from Melbourne. That's good. Now, here's our question. Huge question. This teaching is not just for you. This teaching is for those folks that we know that don't understand any of these principles. So here's the question. Pastor Mark, if Christianity is that amazing, and it is, why doesn't everybody just become a Christian? I mean, if I can go to heaven, guaranteed, if I have my sins forgiven, I have a personal relationship with God, when I need wisdom, I get it. Why doesn't everybody become a believer? Well, I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You'll see where this is. And you might have heard this verse, but I'm going to give you the answer. And this is so important for us. 2 Corinthians, here it is. Look at verse 4. I'm going to read it out in the New Living Translation. Paul writes, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of We'll talk about that in a more. Our minds of those unbelievers, of those who don't believe. Watch it. This is huge. They are unable 
to see the glorious light of the good news. They cannot make sense of what I just said. It's too good to be true. That's impossible. It won't happen. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ and what we get and who is the exact likeness of God. That's why everybody that hears the gospel doesn't believe because it makes no sense to them. Remember, the battlefield is our minds. What we think, we become. So watch this this statement. Here's what happens. It's the battle against Satan's lies and God's truth of the word. Look at this next statement. Our thoughts determine who we are, how we live. Here's a big one. Where we will spend eternity. The decisions I make today turn around and make me tomorrow. You are where you are right now because of your thoughts. What we think, the Bible says, is what we become. So what does Satan say to these people? He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's blinded the unbeliever to the truth of God's word, the Bible. He causes people who are unbelievers basically to think about this world, temporal things, about the things on earth, power, possessions. He causes people on earth to think and believe they will absolutely go to heaven. Why? Because they're a good person. But good people don't go to heaven. Only forgiven people go to heaven. And see, where did that thought come from? Where did that concept come from? So God tells us the truth, but Satan is always in there with his lies. Well, you don't want to be a part of that church. That church stuff is ridiculous. Look at the hypocrites in the church or whatever. Satan's the biggest hypocrite of all. So when you begin thinking about that, I've been praying all weekend for all of our campuses. And I want you to understand my prayer this morning, that you will get it, that your eyes will be open to the truth. That you'll be able to answer Jesus' question to those people. That everyone that walks out of our campus this morning, they will be able to say this. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm following right now. I'm not perfect, but I desire to be what God wants him to be. And I know when I die where I'm going. And it's not because I'm a good person. It's because Jesus Christ died for me. Notice Satan blinds eyes. I'm asking God will open our eyes. I can't open your eyes, but God can. When Paul was, Paul's eyes were blinded. He was religious. Religion is a huge, uh, a negative thing in Christianity. And one day, God blinded him to the truth. And then he gave him his kind of purpose, his mission. And God said to Paul, I'm going to send you to open blinded eyes. Spiritual warfare is real, and it has eternal consequences. We've learned about the spiritual battle that goes on for our soul between Satan and God. Every person must fight this battle because every person is born into this world as a sinner. We must decide who will win this battle. Pastor Mark shared with us John 3.16, God's solution for our sin that we were born with. God is giving and loving. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. 
To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. Now here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. Today's message title is Your Soul is Priceless. Or if you'd like, you can just remember today's date when you call or email to place your order. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living as we continue to learn how precious our souls are to God. The Bible tells us that if we really want a relationship with God, then we must be committed to denying ourselves. We must take up our cross daily. That means to choose God's will over our will and commit to following Jesus every day. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from our series entitled Living in Two Worlds, Visible and Invisible. In a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear Your love